So today is the birth of the church, right? Pentecost Sunday. So yeah, I know, right? Who knew that it would be your birthday today? We should have all known that, really. We're really good at church, aren't we, celebrating Christmas and the birth of Jesus. We're good at celebrating Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But we're not so good at remembering the significance of Pentecost. Because that's when the church was born, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah? And that's an exciting thing, isn't it? And I don't mean, I don't mean this building. I don't mean suddenly Pentecost happened, the Spirit turned up, and loads of buildings were built. Okay, Not the organisation of church, but the organism of church, the living, breathing movement of God's people. The ecclesia, the Greek word calls it, church. You and I, we're the church, aren't we? Yeah? This isn't, this is church, but this isn't the church. This is not what the Holy Spirit established. He established us, the followers of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. We are the church. So turn to someone and say, happy birthday. Is it actually anyone's birthday today as well? Is anyone, is it actually no one? Oh. No one's birthday. Well, to celebrate a birthday, you always have to have cake, don't you? Yeah? So we've got a giant cake that's going to fall. For, no, we haven't. We've got, we've got some donuts for you after the service. Who doesn't like donuts? So if you like donuts, then please uh, grab one on the way out. I'm hoping they've... Are they turned up, Mark? <laughs> okay, there's this signal going on. So there might be donuts. <laughs> you might have to go home and imagine eating donuts. Uh, between 10 and 11, the order's going to turn up. <laughs> So please don't blame me. Blame Mark. Um, yeah, so you'll get a donut. And if you don't like donuts, I'm really sorry. You'll just have to uh, eat something else uh, in your own time. Uh, if you're gluten-free, if you're gluten-free, there, are, there is a gluten-free option as well. Anyway, Pentecost. So there's a lot in that passage, wasn't there? There's a lot of stuff we could cover. And um, I kind of just wanted to share. Things changed a little bit last night in my head and in my heart. So I just want to share what I find exciting about this passage passage and also hopefully what will inspire you and maybe teach you a few things and encourage you to follow Jesus more powerfully equipped by the spirit so that's what I want to share today the day of Pentecost that's what we just read in that passage from Acts 2 now there's a few you know that I like history right I've said this before so I'm going to just teach you a little bit of history so there's three main Jewish traditions festivals if you like that Jews will practice every single year the first one is this it's called the Feast of First Fruits, and it happens around about springtime. It's quite closely tied in with Passover. Have you heard of Passover? So Passover is a commemoration of what God did as he freed the Israelites out of Egypt, and the angel of death passed over all the houses that had the blood of the lamb on, on the door frames. Remember that? Yeah, and it's a great symbolism of the cross, isn't it? That Jesus' blood was poured out on the cross as well. And so people were saved by the blood of the lamb. Passover. So Jesus died at Passover. We know this. We good? up to speed and then shortly after that you have the feast of first fruits as well which is a which is a yearly tradition a festival that Jews will practice then you have the feast of weeks as in Monday Tuesday Wednesday a week and that will came that comes seven weeks after Passover guess what how many days seven weeks is well, okay, don't, not the official, you're fine. 50, right? We'll go 50-ish. So 50, Pentecost. Pe- Pente means five. Okay, so 50 days later, we have Pentecost. Pentecostos. Can you say that? It's Greek. You're going to sound really clever now. Pentecostos. And it means 50. So 50 days after Passover, 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits, Pentecost came. And then at the end, uh, towards the end of the year in autumn, you've got the, the Feast of Tabernacles. So... It was common for all these three celebrations for, for Jews all over the world, all over the known world at that time, to come to Jerusalem 
and the population of Jerusalem would grow massively overnight, and they'd bring their tithes and their sacrifices, basically. And tithes just was the very best of what they had to offer for that particular season, that particular harvest. So for the Feast of First Fruits, they'd bring barley. For the Feast of Weeks, they'd bring wheat. And for the Feast of Tabernacles, they'd bring olives and grapes. And basically, what they were saying is, God, you are so important, you're so special, you've, seen, you've looked after us, we're so thankful that we're going to bring the very best of our crop in that season to you, to the temples, and we're going to place it out, we're going to tithe it. Yeah? You with me? And this first fruits language is so significant, it's so important, because Jesus, as he died at Passover on the cross... Is, is known by Paul in 1 Corinthians as what? First fruits. The first fruits. So suddenly you have this incredible image of Jesus being the first fruit, the very best that God has to offer. That's powerful, isn't it? And I feel like, as I said, well, I want to hang around a little bit today. I feel like today, for some people, you need to realize that God sent Jesus, right? That's basic theology. But that he's the very best that he has to offer you. Jesus is the very best that God's got to offer. He is the first fruit. He is the first fruit. And I don't mean that as a one-off time when you were six years old at Sunday school and you put your hand in the air and said, I want to follow Jesus. I don't mean on an Alpha course and I don't mean at some conference somewhere. I don't mean that. Every single day, God says, I offer you my best every single day. Jesus. Amen? So every single day, do you say, I want the best of you today, God. God goes, well, the best of me is through Jesus. Peace is found through Jesus. Salvation is found through Jesus. Forgiveness, healing is found through Jesus. That's what I can offer you today. Someone needs to hear that this morning. You've been waiting on God for a long time. It's really really easy to believe in God, some kind of ethereal thing up there that designed something. We don't quite know what it is. It's a lot harder to believe in Jesus, isn't it? Because it becomes personal. Jesus becomes personal. We have to then either, do we agree with his words or not? Do we agree that he died for me or not? It's kind of easy to believe in God. It's not so easy to believe in Jesus. Are you with me? Jesus, though, is the best that this God, no matter where you are on this journey, that God has to offer you is through Jesus. Right, got that out of the way. (laughs) So, following his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days discipling, teaching his disciples. And then 10 days before Pentecost, in Acts 1, he rose, then he ascended, sorry. And uh, he says, doesn't he, wait in Jerusalem for, for, to be clothed from power on high. Yeah? You with me? So 10 days later, 50, Pentecost, you have this incredible moment in the church history. And what a way to show up. You have um, violent, wi- violent wind, sorry. <laughs> sorry, that sounds bad. You have violent wind, you have the flame of God resting on the heads of the disciples. And it got me thinking... How clean are we <laughs> when our understanding of God? How clean are we when it comes to God and how he moves? You know, would you like to have been in that room that day? Would you have been scared? We have this kind of real gentle image, I think, of God, don't we? When Jesus comes out of the baptism waters in Jordan and the dove descends and the, 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 the clouds depart, whatever spread apart, whatever, and then the dove comes down, it's like a peaceful moment, you can imagine the angels singing, oh, I can't do it because my voice is gone, uh, but actually God is way bigger than that, we have such a clean approach to the Holy Spirit, the way that we expect God to work, we've boxed him in, 
But actually you see in this moment an incredible movement of God in the spirit. It's amazing. You have this fire, you have this wind turn up. And you don't see anywhere in this passage that the disciples were scared. There was nothing in there, was it? They didn't say they were scared at all. Because they would have seen, they would have known, they would have known scripture. They would have recognized the symbolism in the room at that point, the elements of fire, the elements of wind. Are you with me? Exodus 3, what happens? The burning bush, you see fire, right? The disciples would have known that. Hang on, something's going on. Yes, we've been asked by Jesus to wait. But we didn't know what that was going to look like necessarily. We see this fire. There's a fire in the room. We recognize fire as God's presence. You see the fire in Elijah, 1 Kings. Elijah is told, isn't he? Keep my fire burning in the tabernacle 24-7. Something's happening in the room. Are you with me? It's, it's something's getting exciting in the room. You, we know in uh, God's presence is recognized by Elijah in 1 Kings, sorry, as the, ma- as the wind tore through the mountain. You've got in Psalms, David talks about God walking on the wings of the wind as well. So you have this wind and you have this fire in the room. They would have been excited by that. Do we get excited by the presence of God? All six of us do. <laughs> do we get excited by the presence of God? It's so clean. I love it. It's great. God is so... He's, he's a peaceful God, of course he is, but also he's a powerful God. We need to learn to just be in the presence of an all-powerful God with whatever he wants to do. I want this place on a Sunday morning to be rocking, not because of the guitars, but because of God's presence. Do an incredible, don't you want that? It starts with the desperation in us to see God's power, his spirit at work. They also wouldn't have been scared because they've understood prophecy as well. Ezekiel 37, we mostly know this probably. You have this valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. Kind of a lifeless state of people that have died. There's nothing in them. There's no spirit in them. You see this kind of just a death valley, hopelessness, almost a lukewarmness to some extent. And God says in Ezekiel, I will pour my spirit within you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. This is why Peter refers to Joel 2. As well, in the same passage, Joel 2 was a prophecy that the hearers in this passage would have understood as he started to speak it. And that was written 800 years before this moment. That's amazing, isn't it? The Bible should excite you. That's amazing, isn't it? So Peter's like, hey guys, do you remember that old prophecy? Yeah, well that's what's going on now. That's what's happening now. So not to freak you out, they were living in, and we live in, this time between Jesus that has come once and he's coming back. Do we believe that? And so they were trying to say, Jesus is going to come back. And they're thinking, what? He's got, has he already been then? Yeah, he's just been. <laughs> you missed him. Let me tell you about him. And that's what Peter was using this prophecy to give him the platform to say, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And they had tongues of fire on their heads. And they were given the power to, to speak, weren't they? In, in tongues. It just means a language. There's the gift of different languages in scripture. We read that. But in this particular instance, they're given the gift of a foreign language. That's what was happening in this particular instance. Okay. It's a gift that I wish I had for my GCSE French, but I didn't get it, which is really annoying. I only got a C. If God had shown up, I could have got a B. Never mind. Yeah. If you're thinking this is a bit weird, it is a bit weird. Sorry. I had a friend at college uh, called Charlie, and she was fantastic when I went to Bible college years ago now. And uh, she was on her way back from some conference. A car broke down, and she stayed over in a hotel. And uh, the next day, she started to go to church, a little church. She turned up at the church. She sat at the back. And she had this phrase going on in her head for ages. She didn't know what it meant. She went down the front to share it with the elders. And they said, can you share it from the platform? And she did. And these two men on the front row broke down in tears. They broke down in tears. And um, 
this story is pretty amazing. And uh, she didn't know why. And at the end, they managed to get um, some conversation going. And it turns out these two guys that broke down in tears were Polish. And there's a phrase that Charlie was given in the spirit, by the spirit, that Sunday. And it was this, I am with you and you are where you need to be. Right? And these two Polish guys had never been to that church before either. <laughs> Neither had Charlie. And what they'd been doing is they'd been living here for a number of years and they'd been sending money back to their families in Poland because they couldn't afford to, to work in Poland. And they were at the end, they would just think, we don't know if this is working anymore. Our families are breaking up. We're not too sure what to do. God, what do you want us to do? They went to church just to see. And Charlie breaks down. Her car breaks down. And she has this message. And it's that, I am with you and you are where you need to be. She was given the gift of languages in a phrase. That's amazing, isn't it? I know Charlie. I wish you all knew her. She's normal as, right? She's proper normal. So it's not some sort of spiritual weird person who kind of makes this. She didn't do that. She's just a normal person. She went, you never guess what happened to me at the weekend. I was like, what? She couldn't speak a word of Polish. She didn't understand what she was saying. But that's really amazing. That's the sort of God that we serve. The sort of God who wants to pour out his spirit on you, on us. And the reason that she got that was to what? To bring hope. It's words of hope. And as the disciples were in the room speaking to the crowd around them, right? it's modern day, Iran, Turkey, Egypt, Italy, Saudi Arabia. That's the places that they were from. Okay? They were given the spirit to preach, to bring words of hope, yeah? To empower them for the words of hope. And this is what I want to say. This has got literally one point for you to take home today. So when the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples, it was to empower them to speak the good news of Jesus. The focus wasn't the gift. The focus was the gospel, right? The focus wasn't the gift. The focus was the gospel. Now, the gift is incredible. <laughs> the gift of the Spirit is amazing. The Spirit is a person. We should get to know the Spirit. Should we get to hear the Spirit? Should we get to understand His voice, be led by the Spirit? Of course we should. The, the Spirit seals our salvation. We know all that. It's a fantastic promise for us. But it's an empowerment. You've been empowered to share the gospel, to share hope. That's what Charlie did on that day at church. She shared hope. She shared the gospel, the good news that there is hope. Do you share hope? Through the power of the, of the Holy Spirit. Is that what you do? I hope so, church. Because that's the only thing that we can share with people. The gospel, the good news, Jesus. That's all we've got. Right? Yeah, good. <laughs> Tell the good news. Live it out, give it out. Give it out, live it out. Do our lives reflect the gospel, the good news of Jesus? I love the case study of Peter in the, um, in the gospels. Where Peter's this guy that kind of is super zealous, he cuts someone's ear off because they arrest Jesus. And he's like, no, no one's going to get to Jesus. Jesus, I'll never reject you. I'll never sort of let you go, that kind of thing. In fact, he's fighting to be like the best disciple, isn't he, in the Gospels, yeah? He's like, Jesus, yeah, you're my number one. I'll always live for you. And then what happens? What does he do? He denies Jesus, doesn't he? I didn't, I, I never knew him. Ever felt like that? Church, have you ever felt like that? In your personal walk, but also when, it's been, when you're in the world. Uh, I, didn't really, I don't really know him. I can't, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It stays at that. It's just not a judgment, by the way. But look what happens. Peter's empowered by the Spirit. And 3,000 people come to Christ. Right? You get the fruits, the first fruits of the Holy Spirit in that moment. 
So Jesus is the first fruit, and then you get the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. In that moment, 3,000 people come to Christ. You get this, this switch from Peter being this guy that's like, I'm all for you, but when it really matters, I kind of let you down, to being empowered by the Spirit, and he just stands up and preaches the good news. I find that exciting, don't you? We've been knowing we're going to be moving into this building for a long time. We knew that there's going to be a difference in the amount of people compared to the amount of chairs, right? And I, remember, I still remember Tim's, Tim Hancock's sermon. He was associate minister here. I remember you go when he had the chairs, the three chairs lined up. Do you remember that? He had his chair that was sat in the middle with the chair before and the chair that was after. Our focus needs to be on the chair that's after. There's chairs around us here. We don't want people to sit on pews, right? But I'm desperate for people to know Jesus for the first time and come and sit in those chairs. Aren't you? Aren't we? (laughs) This place will not get full unless we understand we've been empowered to bring the good news, to live it out and to give it out. That's the purpose of Pentecost. That's the purpose of Pentecost. How pumped are you? You know, the pillar of fire that led God's people through the desert, the pillar of fire that were their guide and their provision, the fire that was in the tabernacle 24-7, the fire that rests on the heads of the disciples, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. That's exciting. Let's get excited for this. We are God's plan A for the world. Don't look around. Don't look at me. <laughs> look at yourself. Get a mirror out. We are God's plan A and he's put the spirit in you to bring the good news. And this is where the third thing, the, the tabernacles the Feast of Tabernacles comes in for me, as I was thinking about it last night. You know, he tabernacles with us, doesn't he, through his spirit. 1 John 4 says this, By this we know that he, we remain in him, and he in us. He has given us his spirit. He's given us his spirit. He tabernacles, he tents with us. We're a temple for the Holy Spirit. He's in us, always. So that is it. That's the call to us. And there will be a day where Jesus returns. I'm excited for that day. But I also have a mission. We have a mission. Uh, Keith, who was here last year, uh, used to say, we're not a cruise ship, we're a warship. And we are. We're on a mission to, to, to bring Jesus. It's very simple what we're called to do as Christians. Let's keep it simple, right? We're on a mission. We're empowered by the Spirit to be on a mission to join in with what the disciples were doing at that point. That point. I love this because it ties in with our motto text as well. Wherever the river flows, everything will will live. Ezekiel 47 verse 9. This has been our motto text this year. You know, the the river of life that flowed to us, that cleansed us through Jesus, that leads us through the Spirit, takes us out into the world to share the good news of Jesus. We're empowered by the Spirit to share the good news of Jesus. And the thing with the river is, you don't tell the river where to go, do you? The river tells you where to go, right? Are you in step with the Spirit so much so that you can get to work tomorrow and you can see the opportunities that the Lord has placed before you to share Jesus with people? The disciples had their context. That was their context, and they were equipped in such a powerful way. But you've all got your contexts at home, for some of you, in your workplaces, at university, at college, at school, wherever it is. That's your context. That's your moment. That's your moment. You've been equipped for that moment to share the good news, to bring hope. Does the river flow from you? Do you allow it to flow from you into those environments to bring life, healing, 
Do you speak words of life into people? Do you speak forgiveness into people? Hope, joy. You know, I've, this is I, this is not a dig. <laughs> Sometimes I, I see Christians that they say that they got the joy of the Lord, but they've never shown their face. Right? <laughs> their face doesn't say it. Where's the joy? Sometimes the most powerful witness to who Jesus is and what he's done in your life is just a smile. It's just a smile. Why are you smiling? You're going through such tough stuff right now. Because Jesus is incredible. He is my strength. He is my rock. That, what a witness that would be. Some of us just need to smile more because we have a surety of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. What a witness that would be. I know many people, I'm really pleased to work with a lot of different people that are going through some really tough stuff. And if you know them, getting emotional right now their love for Jesus just means they're constantly smiling they never complain not saying you shouldn't be able to get it right you know what I'm not trying to say but their love for Jesus is all over their face and it engages people why despite your circumstances why are you so joyful because of Jesus I want that more and more don't you don't you that in a world that can seem so hopeless at times and so dark imagine bringing the light that's what we're called to do being the salt Bring in the joy, the peace, rather than pouring on all the judgment and condemnation and everything else. <sighs> the point of Pentecost, the point of the birth of the church, is to give and live the gospel, to bring hope to people. Are you prepared, as Peter is, to give an answer for the hope that you have, with gentleness and respect? Are you? Let's be a church that does that. Let's be a church that's known for being like that. I'm amazed how a small marginalized group of messianic jews become this multi-ethnic movement all over the world it's because of the spirit we're part of that movement we're part of that movement oh, i don't have to finish this <laughs> uh, you might have been reading it and thinking yeah i would have laughed at them too i would have accused them of being drunk on the sweet sweet wine as some of the um <laughs> translations say perhaps that's been your experience you've been rejected you've been laughed at because you've stepped out for Jesus and you've been hurt by it. I understand that. But we've been talking about the cost of discipleship, haven't we, over the last few weeks in our series. Check it out on our, our YouTube channel. Sometimes the cost of discipleship is that you will get laughed at for speaking up. You might even be laughed at by your family or persecuted. I don't know what your experience has been. But that's the cost of following Jesus. Being able to stand up, you know. We lost the spirit of fear when we said yes to Jesus. We received the spirit of power, of love, of self-control, of wisdom and truth. If you're lacking it, I don't know how to have those conversations. In the book of James, it just says, ask for wisdom. Ask and you should receive it. Just step out. Ask. Be led by the spirit in those moments. I believe there's a first fruits in us that God is looking to, to bring into harvest through us in our environments, in our context. Does that make sense? There's a kind of a crop or a harvest of people that you are in touch with, that only you're in touch with because you are God's plan A for that environment. And he says, I've empowered you, go. The disciples didn't have a six-week course on how to speak to people. They just had the spirit with them. And they had to see this incredible first fruits. I believe in all of our contexts in this room, there are people in our lives that are, are your first fruits. That Jesus is going to bring them to salvation through the power of his spirit. Do you believe that? It just requires opening our mouths and being a bit braver. Braver. I've got a couple of people that I'd like just to invite up just to share um, some testimony with us, really, in a really simple but I think profound and lovely way. Is Anne in the room? Anne. Can we give Anne a round of applause?
Not to keep clapping until she gets up here. You nervous? Very. Oh, okay. She's nervous, but she's great. Just share. Just, just share. You'll be fine. Good morning. My name is Anne. Oops. Yeah. Up. Up. There. I'm here. My name is Anne, and I've been coming to this church now for approximately 15 years. I, um, I live in a place called Old Common Gardens, which is a group of flats behind the Loxheath Shopping Centre. Since moving there. Three other people from this lovely church have joined. So the four of us, we come to church, we enjoy ourselves, we have lots of chats. Two other lovely people have since come and moved in. And because they've been coming to um, Oasis, which are the coffee mornings here, and the afternoon teas, they've thoroughly enjoyed themselves. They've chatted with us and they've been coming to these various activities. And now coming to our church mornings, our Sunday morning services, which to us is great joy. And I just feel that um, because of our commitment, our chats, gives us courage as well, because sometimes you don't always feel you want to push things towards people, but it happens. It's, it's discipleship, isn't it? And I can achieve this because I know I have so many friends here, and over the years I've found joy in helping, committing myself and serving others. I... The Lord has been with me all the way. He is my strength and gives me the courage to continue. And that's it, basically. It's just sharing discipleship. <laughs> By the way, there are some empty apartments going, so if anybody over 60 is interested, I don't get commission. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. Round of applause for Anne. Chris? I just wanted to give, it's, it's, it's simpler than we think, and you're empowered by the Spirit to do this. Chris. Thank you. Um, many of you will know uh, that Deb's my wife, and, and I uh, work with the ministry uh, where we present a drama, uh, a drama production called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. It's, a, it's quite a powerful, um, full-on presentation of the gospel message. We just recently um, had the privilege of uh, of traveling throughout some of Europe um, to present this. And we were down in Spain, in Girona recently. And just wanted to share a little bit um, of, of what was going on there uh, in context of, of what we're, we're talking about here today. And um, so, I mean, this for us, this particular mission for us in Spain was, was kind of like textbook. We, uh, I should say we, we're unique in that we use um, 30 to 40 local people, uh, volunteers as the actors, and we train them up over a couple of days, and then they do um, three or four uh, performances. And um, that, that way they get the opportunity to invite friends and relatives and, uh, and people will come and see them because... Uh, they know them and, and so on. So it's, it's quite a powerful thing that goes on there and quite intense just for a few days. Um, and um, so we, we had a wonderful set of volunteers, over 40 people. Uh, we had so many young people in there. We put an extra scene, a teenage scene in there and um, 
these young lads, 17-year-old lads, were getting fired up uh, by all of this. And we do a lot of work over a couple of days just to, to, to put all this together. That's the practical bit, um, learning the parts, learning their lines, learning how to interact with video um, stuff that we have playing and, uh, and all that kind of thing. And that's the practical thing that we put in place to make it all happen. But one of the things that I'm saying all the time uh, to the cast members is that if we just do that, then it's just entertainment. And nothing will happen spiritually. Well, God is able to, he's bigger than us and he's able to do things. But what we're really looking for is that change of, of heart, isn't it? That um, the, the power of the, the Holy Spirit at work in, in people's lives. Because without a revelation through the Spirit, without an understanding, a real revelation through the Spirit, um, people will will not have a change of heart. People will not understand the significance of the gospel, the significance of Christ and his death on the cross and, and so on. And I, 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 I use this scripture that we've read today uh, a lot of the time to, um, to share with the cast members as we come together. We, we have an hour of prayer before each um, production, before each performance, and that's a, that's a precious time. And, and I'm saying to the cast every time with that, you know, this is compulsory for everybody that's involved uh, in this. This is compulsory, not because I'm a bully, but because... Um, there's no point in doing what we're doing unless we're in there together praying uh, and seeking God and, uh, and seeking the power of his spirit at work in us. And we pray regularly for that revelation. And, and, and I believe what we're reading in this passage um, is that the d- d- disciples went out and they spoke but the real significance for me of, of what happened there is that they spoke and people understood. They understood the words of what was being spoken. But much more than that, they obviously understood the significance of what was being said because many were added to their number. They got baptized. They, 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 you know, they, they followed Christ um, on that occasion. So they had a real revelation in their heart that only comes through the power of that Holy Spirit. When we were there together in Spain... In, in our prayer times, um, we were leaning into these, these thoughts and also um, the, the fact that we're in a battle. Our battle is real. Uh, and I want to encourage you, church, don't underestimate the, the strength of the battle that we're in. The, the drama production that we do, the opening lines on, on video are, uh, since time began, a war has raged for the soul of mankind, a war between good and evil, between God and Satan. And I want to say, church, don't under, underestimate the power of this battle that we're in for the souls of mankind, our friends, our relatives, our loved ones, our neighbors. But don't underestimate the power of God, the power of his spirit to overcome and to speak into those situations. And so we were praying. We, uh, in our first prayer time, we, we, we pray for each scene. Uh, we gather the people that are in that scene and we pray for them uh, specifically that their, spin, their, their scene will speak to people. And as we're praying, uh, God is beginning to reveal things in people's hearts. There's a scene that we, uh, that we do, uh, which is a, a self-harm scene, you know, where a young lady is cutting herself because she's uh, being, uh, experiencing cyberbullying and, and that kind of thing, a very emotive uh, and, and real issue. 
Um, and as we're praying for this, the, 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 the young lady and, and the lady who's playing her mother in this scene, as we're praying for them, then there's another lady that's breaking down in tears. Um, and then she reveals that her daughter, just a few weeks previous, um, had nearly died um, with her. It was um, an overdose uh, because of the same issues that we're portraying in this scene. And that daughter was in our cast as well. So we gather the two of them together and we're praying into their lives. And, you, and, and there was a real impact as as the whole cast gathered around and, 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 and prayed for those two. And the girl um, told us the next day what a, a, a big impact that had had on her life. But bit by bit... There were things coming to the front, things being revealed. And there was a, uh, another one of the ladies who was in the cast then began to reveal that uh, she had had a conversation a few days earlier um, with a lady that she knew who was suicidal and wanted to leave her, her husband and her children uh, and wanted to end it all. And she had invited her to, to come and see the production. And so we stopped and we, we prayed into that situation. And, and the, the prayer time was going on like this, stopping and praying into these different situations. And one of the greatest privileges of doing this job, just in a few days, you get this whole sort of process of, of, of putting the effort in and, and the prayer and then seeing results. And uh, as I was standing there um, giving an appeal to, for people to receive Christ and I see this lady who'd shared about her friend who was suicidal, and I see the lady that she was talking about and her husband coming to the front in tears and linking arms and, and just praying, inviting Jesus Christ into their lives together. And that is where the Spirit comes in as we, as we raise that expectancy as we come together in prayer and we raise that expectancy that God is going to do something here, it, it's, it's tangible. When, when, when we've got that group of people together there, it's tangible, that sense uh, that, that God is at work. There were so many stories in, in, in that whole uh, situation. But I came away from Spain with two things in my mind, uh, which I just want to share with you. It may have been for me, as encouragement for me in, in our ministry, but I think it's for the church too, and I think it's so relevant to what we've been hearing this morning. There were two things that God impressed on me um, that really make mission work. Um, one is um, creating space, and, and the other is creating expectancy. And with this church that we were working with there, same with this church here, with this church we were working with, they, they had moved in faith from a little office building um, with a small number of people and, and, and had started renting a warehouse and, and they're now filling this warehouse many times and having a huge impact in the community and planting other churches and so on. They created space for something to happen. But I, I, I believe that creating space is... It happens in many ways. It's being in the right place at the right time. When God, when God is leading you and guiding you, you may not understand why God is wanting you to be somewhere at a particular time. But in, in this, uh, in just before this passage we were reading in, in chapter 1, we, we read that Jesus told the disciples, stay in Jerusalem. You know, they could have thought... Um, once Jesus would go, oh, you know, I can go, I can go off, go and be with the family, you know, take a holiday, take a break, go, go wherever. But Jesus said, stay, stay in this place 
and wait upon me. And why was that? Because later on we read that all these people from all over the world were there, the people that they were going to reach when the Spirit came upon them. And then the expectancy came when they gathered together and we read that they kept praying together and they were waiting on God. And then the Spirit came and released them into the situation that they were in, in, the place that they were in. And so I just want to encourage you, church, to, to be mindful of where God has placed you and, and, and where he is placing you, where he's leading you, uh, but also be mindful of, uh, of that need to, to seek him, to raise your expectancy that he is going to move. There's no reluctancy on God's part to move in power. Uh, so raise that expectancy that, um, that he, will speak th- he will speak through you. He has something to say through you to those that he's placed you among. God bless you. So we're going to do that now, if that's okay. We're just going to create some space uh, and expectancy. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. He's already here. So actually we're going to be more aware of the Spirit, I think, is what we're saying. Allowing the Spirit to work in us. The Spirit equips us for acts of service. The Spirit leads us out into the world, into those moments. So... If you want to, please join with me. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes it can feel like one of those those candles that we blow. It goes out, Father, but it never goes out with you. It comes back on. Well, for some of us in this room today, we just feel like it's been blown out. The candle of your spirit, your flame has been blown out. But Lord, it hasn't. It's still there. It might be an ember, but it's still there. And Holy Spirit, I just ask this morning, will you blow on that ember? Will you bring it into a flame? Will you bring it into a, a fire? Lord, will we, will we as people be desperate to be led by you, by your spirit, Jesus? Will we give space? Will we allow that to be fanned into flame? The gift that you have given us, the Spirit. We have to exercise that ourselves, but Lord, we just come before you this morning and we ask, Holy Spirit, fill us once more. Your word says to be filled with the Spirit. It means to keep being filled, and so we just ask, Holy Spirit, fill us once more. Give us a burning passion for the people around us, the context that we're in, the mission field that we have, our family, our friends, to share the hope, to share joy, to share love, to share the gospel, 
Lord, we're in between times, between the first and the second coming. Lord, and there will be a day, Father, where you will return. We just don't want to be comfy Christians sat in a church. Lord, we want to be on your mission, but empowered by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us again. Fill us anew. Fill us afresh. Thank you, Lord. Amen.